DJ played the rapture. Saw the lights reflected rays. She was dressed like Chloe Sevigny. Met her on the seventh day of tour. It was going awful. On the road with 12 apostles. Out there trying to spread the gospel. Started missing daylight. Knew I had to stop raving. Woke up, came back to life. Got reincarnated. At night service. Saturday mass. Night service. Saturday mass. With stained glass in the future, see the past night service. Saturday mass. That was Night Service, Cadence Weapon, brand new track, Sneak Peek with Jacques Green. That's a preview of the preview of the remix. All right. So check that stuff out on the YouTube channel for CFRU and come see Cadence Weapon at Hillside on Friday at 1030. I want to crowd surf, so catch me. And somebody bring that inflatable shark. Oh, yeah. All right. That's all the time we have. Uh, Stay tuned for some more CFRU programming. Lana, Ira, Svieta, Tanya, Chantal, and Oksana, Emma, Jimmy. Amara, and we're the World Youth. And you're listening to 93.3 FM CFRU. Ed Video is Guelph's hub for creation of video art, film, and documentaries. Get started in production or advance your existing skills. Find creative challenges and develop a network of collaborators through our year-round series of workshops and educational programs. We offer hands-on training with video production technology, as well as opportunities to learn from staff and industry professionals. Apply your skills with access to professional quality equipment in an inclusive, fun environment. Learn, create, and display your work through Ed Video. Become a member by visiting our partially accessible location at 404 York Road or visit edvideo.org. Conversations Worth Having with Kim Loeb airs Sunday morning at 10 a.m. on CFRU 93.3 FM. With diverse and sometimes difficult themes and topics, from the silver tsunami and the healthcare crisis to food and water issues, you'll want to stay tuned. Sunday morning, 10 a.m. Conversations worth having. If you consider yourself a friend of CFRU but don't yet have a friends card, what are you waiting for? For just a $10 donation or $5 for CFRU volunteers, you can purchase a Friends of CFRU card that will get you discounts at 14 downtown Guelph businesses. One of these businesses offering discounts is Play With Clay, an interactive open pottery studio located at 42 Wyndham Street North, offering pottery, painting alongside fresh clay building. 
Friends of CFRU cards are available for purchase at The Bookshelf in downtown Guelph or at CFRU. Email outreach at CFRU.ca or visit CFRU.ca slash friends for more info. With the Friends of CFRU card, you too can show your support for both local businesses and your campus and community radio station. This year's card is valid until January 2019. As you're listening to the following music selections, adjust the volume, bass, and treble controls to suit your tastes. On today's episode of Android's Dungeon, it's hot! When it's hot, I get mean and angry. I just want to take it out on people. <laughs> I'm going to grapple them. <laughs> we're going to talk about mean games today. Maybe some talk about the World Cup. And we're going to talk about pushing your luck. Stay tuned. Welcome to CFRU 93.3 FM Broadcasting University of Guelph, Guelph, Ontario. It is really bloody hot outside. This the universe of Guelph. Universe of Guelph. It is so hot outside. Uh, ask me how hot it was, Joel. How hot was it? I was tempted to play Dead of Winter. It was so hot out. I need to cool down. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> Just That's kidding. I wasn't tempted. the only reason you'd play. <laughs> only in the hopes that a zombie would come <laughs> and your misery. Zombie. I, I wanted to roll 1 in 20 and get killed by a zombie. <laughs> Speaking of zombies, it looks like I'm, uh, I've finally made something happen with this Guelph board game group, and we're actually going to meet up on Thursday. There's a border meetup, Oh. and I'm going to learn Zombicide. I'm going to take one for the team. Yeah, you mentioned Zombicide. I wasn't. I was a little confused with the context of what it, I thought you were trying to imply that somebody joined the group and said they're because we have join our group on Facebook. It's a Guelph board gaming group. It's not specifically Android Dungeon related or boardroom or any of these things. It's just are you in Guelph? Or do you like to pretend you're in Guelph? Do you yeah. have any connection to us? Whatsoever? It's just Guelph board gamers. Nothing yeah. special. But uh, no, I've set a rule up. Uh, the the rule is when you join the when you apply to join, <laughs> you know, it's very exclusive. Yeah, club. yeah, only the finest. Only all members can accept an invitation. But um, you have to answer one question, and that's what's your favorite board game. Yeah, very so, difficult. So this test. guy applied to join because I guess his friend is in it, and uh, his answer was Zombicide. Now, Zombicide, I think we need to give some context here. You never played it before, correct? No. Zombicide might be. So I, I can think back in my, my long and cherished history of board gaming, and the first non-Monopoly game I ever played was Talisman, that okay. uh, my uncle had all these sets from, uh, I, think it was, I think it was second edition, and he had painted all the figures, it was gorgeous, and he had all the expansions, and it, it's not a good game. Talisman is roll to move, it's all dice-based, a lot of random Ouch. bad stuff can happen to you that's zero interaction, like nothing to do with you. And then after that, after I played Catan, Ticket to Ride, uh, I think it was around the same time uh, that I actually played Zombicide too, because friends of ours, uh, I, I don't know if where they backed it, because it was one of the first big Kickstarter games. Okay, it was Kickstarter. Kickstarted. And it's put up by Kamon, C-M-O-N. And you'll notice that Kamon almost... Ex- it's got a bad rep, doesn't it? 
They do and they don't. They've put out a lot of stuff, and they're they're like Unfair, for example, which I think is a, a pretty decent game. Wasn't kickstarted, and it's a come on game. They also have done um, the more recent Rising Sun game, which is an Eric Lang mm. made game that you know I kickstarted, and I've had it sitting on the shelf. I'm just looking at it sealed. because it's it's more it should, might as well be sealed, and it's not because it's mostly because it's one of these big area controls diplomacy type games. That's like, don't do it with like f- less than four or less than five. So it's like, oh, jeez, that's going to be a pain. Um, but Zombicide kind of was one of the first big Kickstarter games that people backed. And I think when you look at it, it looks like a Kickstarter game. It's got tons of minis. It's got all the zombies. And you, it's got this theme. It's kind of like this B-movie-esque sort of thing. But you got leveling up. So is it all about the theme? I don't know. Yes and no. It, it's still chucking dice, killing zombies, on getting items, and trying to survive wave after wave. Fully co-op? I, I believe so. Unless so, in future, there's so many expansions. For so he'd a, yeah, he had asked me this question. He said, "Which version do you want to play?" Yeah. Right away, I'm like, "Okay, so there's multiple versions of this game because there's Zombicide Great. Black Flag, which is like a medieval themed Zombicide." Exactly. So he, so then he messaged me. He said, uh, "Medieval or modern?" Yeah. Because I guess there's like, uh, you've got shotguns or you've got axes, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So uh, he says he's going to bring the medieval one because it's easier, I guess. Okay, and I think it's slightly better received. I'm not sure, but yeah. Well, that, that's good. So now you can do learn Zombicide. Yeah, well, I mean, Zombicide, whatever. I don't, I don't really care what game it is. I'm excited to the fact that uh, some random people out there in the world and Facebook uh, have uh, gotten together now, thanks to this group. And that's going to take photos of that. I'm going to post them. And that's going to show that, you know, if you are in this group, you might actually, you know, make some friends and play some games. Which yeah, is and the goal. I, I hope it works out. And yeah. it's almost like maybe uh, <laughs> we don't want to shell too much with the uh, the boardroom, but maybe just... Like get get them to put something up there and say uh, interesting stuff. Could join this uh, Facebook group because yeah. God knows there's enough shilling of other stuff. Listen to Android's Dungeon. Yeah, they don't have a poster of us up yet. We I know we, we don't even have a poster. We don't even have a. Bump <laughs> we don't even have a radio ad yet. Yeah, that's my Game fault. Man. We all all sorts on around. So, Joel, what have you been playing recently? Um, you know, aside from the classic, uh, many many games of DC, which always ha- ends up happening. Which was actually pretty good because we ended up with like the elite crew. We had Chris, me, and Sam who were, have at least three years each under our belt. Uh, and every, any one of us could uh, walk away with a game. Mm-hmm. But uh, I won't talk about that because I've talked about DC to death. So. Well, but how did it go? Did you have fun? Oh, tons of fun, yeah. All it right. was There's kind of watching the World Cup and, uh, and, <laughs> and, <laughs> and playing DC yeah. at the same time. And uh, yeah, we all had a good game. I think we all had a turn at the win, so... Mm-hmm. But no, I taught uh, cribbage to my friend when we went camping. Oh, and uh, it was really fun. It was it was um, cribbage is one of those things where after you've played it enough, you kind of just see the points, you know. Yeah. Uh, but for somebody that's learning it, it can be really frustrating to say, "Okay, I think I, I think I've got I think I've got five points." Yeah. Well, actually, and every time you've got to correct them because they've got a lot more points. Maybe they've got eleven points. You can't just. So you have to be. I mean, you know, nobody really wants to be corrected in a game, and no one, at least, you know, I think there's some people out there that really find joy in saying, "Oh, sorry, you did that wrong." Yeah, but I'm not, I don't like doing that. I don't like. I don't doing like it telling work. people how to do something better. Yeah, and I don't like telling people that they messed up. Cribbage is Kayla's grandmother plays cribbage in the and uh, a friend of mine used to play it this way, and that if you if you put down points and you say this is what I have. And and it's like kind of like is that your final answer? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you you take points that Did they don't. They, yeah, you play that cutthroat version where Very if nasty. you miss a point, and I always get that hit on me 
with the jack of the same suit. Yeah, that's one of these weird... I always forget that rule. Like, but what <laughs> exactly. is it? So if the, you flip, when you cut the deck, the first card flipped? Well, that's yeah. just an automatic two points. I don't yeah. think anybody's not going to take that. But no, if you have a jack in your hand and it's the same suit as the card cut, you get a point. Oh, okay. See, I don't know Something if we're random. starting to enter sort of the weird world where everyone's got some sort of variation or if that's standard, that's, is it? That's textbook. Is it? Yeah. We got the only the most official cribbage when we go into the Brian household. So, <laughs> again, I, cribbage is a, it's a fun game, but at time, I remember the first time I really figured it out because I had been playing for a while and just getting crushed, crushed, crushed. And for a while there, it was just one of these experiences that I kind of attribute to... Um, when you're playing against somebody who's played something a million times and you're going mm, in yep. and there's a certain educa- like a curve depending on how generous they're being or how is it, are you going to teach me or are you just going to kick my ass every time <laughs> and I kind of chalk it up to me playing 1v1 with Michael Jordan where it's just like <laughs> if he just wants to dunk on me he's just going to do it and I'm not going to learn anything yeah. from this except Michael Jordan's you, really good <laughs> is he going to let you take a couple shots or is he just going to reject them all like, yeah exactly so but there was a period there where I was I was looking at the um the pegging going on and it was extremely frustrating to me because from my perspective and I'd love to hear you or someone else who's a cribbage uh, enthusiast uh, say otherwise I found it utterly random in that it didn't matter what I was doing I was like okay I'm not putting down fives because that's easy not putting down tens because people hold on to fives like I'm I'm trying to avoid these obvious pitfalls but I felt like everything I did was 21 never hit 21 21 and it just I was just staring at this and thinking it's impossible it's like somebody said landmines all around like (laughs) well that's the thing is you can't prevent points but you got to try to think okay if they hit the points what are yeah. they going to do so let's say for example you you start with a nine because you have a six and mm-hmm. somebody's going to throw a six down on that get 15 now you can throw a six down and get you're, you're 20, doubling up on uh, the, the pair but that's always a risk because if you throw down a six on. and they're holding on to a, a six they might have another six and yeah. then they're going to hit six points off the so the i think the general rule is never hit pairs unless the next line up <clears throat> say so you're at 21 and somebody throws down a seven to pair it mm-hmm. now you're at 28 no one can throw another seven down it's safe yeah right uh but if you're you know somebody throws down a two and you throw down a two well that's dumb because the chances of them not having another two are pretty slim and they're just going to get six points off you so there there is a lot of strategy there yeah never hit 21 because there's four different cards that could get them to 31 mm-hmm. right i guess it boils down to how often do you as someone who plays a fair bit of cribbage, do you purposely avoid points to stop someone from getting potentially more points? Yeah, it's tricky, especially when you have to put cards into the crib. Like yeah. three player, you're only putting a card in the crib, so it's kind of a crapshoot. But if you're, you're if you're putting in a pair of sevens into their crib, you know you're giving them points. But yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Some people play defensively, and some people just see if they can get more points to make it worth it. <laughs> yeah. It's a cribbage is something that I think is a lot of fun, but I, I don't think I've beaten Kayla in cribbage in a long time just it's one of those things where it just means to squeak out uh, or if i do it always turns into all right best two or three or something. Just <laughs> oh no this stinks but. it's one of those heavily strategic family games that we grew up with what, another one what was that one where you only play with nines and higher and euchre euchre yeah oh, man, people love that game there, there's definitely been a couple it. of heated games of euchre <laughs> after like maybe one or two drinks yeah, <laughs> and yeah. like i remember because i <laughs> may have been doing a bit of like a dancing or something oh just yeah. like making some points and it was not making any <laughs> friends downs. <laughs> you shoot the moon or something? <laughs> no I don't, but it was just like there's more two points two points, two points. <laughs> and what's that you got <laughs> nothing oh that's too bad <laughs> i'd like to see that i don't think i've ever seen you go out 
Well, it was just, it was, you know, getting in the spirit of it because it's like with Euchre, it's such a fast, dirty game. Yeah. You're just trying to get into it a little bit, like trying to egg mom, but it was just, <laughs> like, you could see the reaction. Just, They're <laughs> on tilt now. <laughs> it's taking yellow card, yellow card, yellow card. Oh, yeah. Speaking of uh, yellow cards, Joel is our, is my <laughs> uh, resident sportscaster. Yeah, he's the, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't know anything about World Cup except for <laughs> maybe hearing some Portuguese guy screaming outside of a window or yeah. something. What was Which that? is unusual and different than you <laughs> screaming outside my window. But. <sighs> so, what do you think of the World Cup so far? It's been probably the most. It's been. <laughs> <laughs> I'm it's, ripping that off with Glacier. It's been the most entertaining World Cup I've seen yet. Yeah. Honestly. Uh, tons of underdogs coming out and dominating. Uh, tons of close games. There's only been like two or three blowouts. There's been so many 1-1 games, 1-2-1 games, where it's like a goal in like the 95th minute and crazy stuff like this. Uh, we've just had, in the last weekend, three, penalty, three games go to penalty shootouts. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, through the game, obviously stressful to watch uh somebody who doesn't like soccer would probably be like well that's boring it's a draw mm-hmm. and then it's a crapshoot at the end yes but penalty shoot it's pretty fun to watch i gotta yeah. say so yeah it's been crazy exciting uh very excited with the win from england today um i got a lot of friends in england that are just going to be losing their minds and i'm excited to talk to them so w- you, did you watch the game or you were listening to it or were you just checking play-by-plays or what was the... I would never watch the game at work. Okay, so you didn't... <laughs> when you were not watching the game... Uh, but I am you, allowed to put the audio on. The yeah, yeah. So if something exciting comes up, it's, the sticky note minimizes. <laughs> <laughs> so was it was it a good game, though? Because you, you were describing to me that the... Um, uh, oh, shoot, who did they play? Columbia. The Colombians were taking Columbia. yellow card after yellow card. And yeah, we were saying that if... if if Columbia had gone on, they had so many yellow cards that they probably wouldn't have been able to make a team the next round. Are you not allowed to play a guy with the yellow card? Or? So if you've got two yellow cards within the whole tournament... I thought you Oh, tournament? Yeah. Then you miss the next game. Okay. So, but two yellow cards in a game you've, is a red card, right? Yeah. Like you're gone. Okay. And then you also miss the next game. Huh. Um, but uh, yeah, it's seven out of the 11 players on the field had a yellow card. And you were saying they're on discipline penalties, like getting a penalty for mouthing off to the ref. Exactly, yeah, yelling at the ref. There's no reason to get a yellow there. And I'm curious, what what pushes someone to a yellow card for mouthing at the ref? Because when I see when I watch soccer and I see these guys, that like they're like tugging at the ref's shirt and they're pleading and they're begging and they're, they're in his face. Like what does it take for them to get a yellow card from? I think it's just persistence. It's like uh, you're entitled to make a shout when a call is made, if there's a foul or something, and that's fine. The ref is up, just going to yeah. take it. He's used to that. But if you if he tells you to go away and you, and you refuse, uh, then he's got to... Con- it's basically a matter of controlling the game because yeah. the Colombians were so animated and they were so angry and there were like four of them surrounding him that he had to show them like, you know, I'm boss, <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. You know, if you keep hanging around me, buzzing around me and yelling at me, I'm just going to start gonna throwing here. out yellows until you leave. If you get enough yellows, you're just going to get sent off the field. So who's the favorite now? Who? What do you think it's going? to... So is England versus Sweden is coming up, but who? Who on the other side? Or what's the the fight going on there? So it's a funny matchup the way it's gone because maybe the two favorites right now are facing each other right mm-hmm. now, and that's D- Denmark and Brazil. Mm-hmm. Um, Brazil is the highest ranked team remaining; they're second in the world. Uh, they're not very disciplined, and they've had a pretty rough World Cup so far. So I would favor Denmark, and maybe Denmark to win the cup. Which is weird because it's kind of like Germany, but just turned sideways. <laughs> <laughs> I've never thought of it like that. 
Um, but yeah, I think uh, I think De- uh, Brazil and Denmark are the favorites. One of them is going to get out in the quarterfinals. Re- what's really weird is that Russia is facing Croatia. So either Russia or Croatia is going to be in the semifinals, which is unheard of. Now, has has Russia had an easier ride, or are they fighting like crazy? Or now their their group was fairly easy. They had Saudi Arabia and I think Iran or Morocco actually, mm-hmm. and um, so they had a fairly easy group there. Obviously, they got dominated by Denmark, mm-hmm. um, but they had a fan- they beat Spain, which is you know world champions then European champions uh, in a one one draw that they won in the penalty kicks, and they did really well. They defended well, so they've shown that. It's not just rigged. It's not just Putin and their uh, <laughs> and their steroid. Every, you know, like half the team got kicked out of the Olympics for steroids yeah, for yeah. doping. So it's pretty well known that they're. Exactly. So do they do they test for doping in the in soccer or in the World Cup? I think so, but maybe it's been long enough that they're no longer. I just meant in general. Positive. Like, do they? Is it really strict? Like the Olympics, where everyone's you got to do the urine test, everyone's got to do all that stuff, or is it just like eh, we randomly go through and we do not pick <laughs> the stars and we pick you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have no idea. We'll have to look that up, but. Mm. Uh, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if a little bit of doping was going on, but I think it's probably under the radar, yeah. I'm always waiting for the next big shoe to drop with with hockey in particular, but I, I wonder if there's maybe not as much of a push to become gigantic in hockey because mm. a lot of these guys like are smaller and leaner and faster versus well, that's like, the thing. Soccer the is a lot liners. about finesse, right? Yeah. And so it's, there's a lot of skill and there's a lot of speed needed and there's not all that much strength. Yeah, versus football, which would, uh, like, U.S. football, where you want to be gigantic and just, like, a beast. So yeah, that's where exactly. it really encourages you to maybe, and baseball. Where Gorgak. This, Gorgak. He'd be great in football. <laughs> linebacker. <laughs> we could start a new campaign where he just becomes a linebacker well, we for the just, Pittsburgh Steelers. I've always wanted to, hey, <laughs> what, what's the, what would be the D&D or Forgotten Realms uh, place where they make steel yeah. or make weapons? <laughs> they have a football team, or start a football team. D&D 6E NFL version. <laughs> it's just like pages of, it's just the NFL. How to do a Hail Mary. Pray. You ought to roll three 20s in a row. Wow, that is a Hail Mary. That's something else. It, well, that's the result, not... Uh, oh, okay. You had your <laughs> modifier. <laughs> not nat 20s. Not bad. Let's not go time. crazy. Well, we um, should... Because uh, let's, let's pivot on to that, because bringing up uh, Gorgak, which is my character's name in D&D, this Goliath uh, uh, barbarian. There's been some controversy about Gorgak and his his muscles. Uh, so Joel linked me this uh, copy and paste. I, I don't know... Where was it from? So I've, I've joined another Facebook group, and I know it's kind of getting out of hand now with between the Gloomhaven one, which is crazy active, and then this one. and uh, uh, Not quite as active as the Gloomhaven one. No, yeah. No, this one that I've joined, it's mm-hmm. uh, it's called D&D Uncensored or something. So the, the DM doesn't censor anybody. Mm-hmm. There's no rules. Uh, so people just just run off on whatever topic they want. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I found something today. It was actually like the second one down all about grappling and wrestling. Mm. I guess there's, there's these MMA enthusiasts that really want to make a wrestler, you know, they want to make their John Cena or something like that. Yeah, they want to, I think it's probably like some fallout from like JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, which has become kind of like the anime du jour that everyone that's like, oh, isn't this funny? Isn't this wacky and ironic? And yeah. Sorry, so, continue. So I guess uh, the complaint is, that, you know, people are trying to run a tombstone on a dragon or something like that and then they accidentally get a nat 20 and the dm gets salty yeah and then dms now hate wrestlers right or anybody that's trying to grapple mm-hmm. and uh i think our dm mark who's been on the show friend of the show for friend sure, of the show 
Mark Hines. Mark Hines. Uh, he's a good guy, and he is super nice. Uh, sometimes we've said he's too nice, but mm-hmm. he's trying to be meaner yep. as a DM. And he allows you to try to grapple anything, basically. I think it's... But it's within reason, because here's the thing. With my Goliath character, they're... They count as plus one, so when it, they can uh, deal with characters that are creatures that are considered to be a size larger than them. So that's where the ogres yeah. and the hill giant stuff comes in. So we're not breaking any rules when I'm trying to uh, put a, a hill giant in a headlock. There. Yeah. I think you'd be breaking the rules if you let uh, Speculus maybe attempt to uh, try to... What's it called when you get somebody's leg above their head? The, uh, <laughs> like the, the arm bar? I don't remember. The arm bar. I don't know. It's suplex? Just, duplex? Suplex is when you... I, uh, I'm going to suplex. Don't worry. Full Nelson. Maybe that's what it is. The full Nelson. Half Nelson. Or is, no, no half that's half arms behind their head. Uh, See, I, my wrestling lingo. I'm going to have to brush up. Yeah, <laughs> if you're going to be this... <laughs> John Cena! <laughs> so I could see, like, the issue, because we're kind of retreading what we were talking about on uh, ourselves today, but the, the way I look at it is that it just sounds like a DM is angry that, A, you're goofing off, and maybe he's trying to be a little more serious, or maybe you've been doing this so much that he's just sick of your yeah. shenanigans, or B, you're, you're actually throwing, you're flying his ointment. You, you're breaking his game, and he is not actively responding to it in a constructive kind of i hate to do this the the improv yes and sort of method of it because it's just like you gotta you gotta roll with it you can't just sit there and go no no i hear you but i think part of it is probably these dms are pretty uh experienced and they've probably come to realize that as a player it's your job to try to break the game and as Mm -hmm. a dm it's trying to your job to try to rein people in and that's it and at the end of the day i think you got to realize everyone's trying to have fun and if you're a player who, like, you've managed to find this ridiculous combination that's just, like, unstoppable and you're just laughing and you're ruining everything and you maybe want to take a step back and and say, well, maybe I don't need to do this. But on the other hand, maybe the DM should be throwing some stuff at you because Dungeons & Dragons is whatever you want it to be. Obviously, there's stuff that exists in the world that's done for you, but who's to say you can't? just invent something else or even put a super tough enemy down there that let's say you go to try to do your super silly wrestling moves on it but it turns out he's a, a judo master and breaks your leg or like <laughs> get, hits you in some way that's like oh your arms are jelly you're no longer able to like do these moves like you just got to improvise be creative you can do whatever yeah. you want and just saying no or no i'm not gonna let you do that why don't like, you just get a level 13 arcanist to show up and turn you into yeah, a just, chicken <laughs> <laughs> man That's that classic. was stefan is just so confident oh, man i have the best character i have the most amazing character you can beat anything well wasn't that though so the... he starts in an arena and he gets turned into a chicken is that what is that why you did that <laughs> yeah because he was bragging about it <laughs> nothing's gonna stop this guy. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was wondering why you did that and i'm just like oh man i'm glad i didn't say anything <laughs> just kept my mouth shut yeah but are you so let's do because i don't know if we did a formal one but I guess when Curtis, a uh, friend of the show, Curtis, was on last week, we had a, a small recap of D&D so far. Um, what What are your thoughts on the campaign, Joel? How are you enjoying it, it so Yeah, uh, we've done, I guess this is our third campaign. First one was Mark improvising, just kind of doing random dungeons. Mm-hmm. Second one was my incredibly ambitious story with, like, so-so gameplay, but the story, um, you know... It was fun gameplay. ...went nuts, and I think a lot of people had fun. Um, now we've kind of reined it in and we've got like a, this feels like the first time we've really played D and D, you know, we've got the parameters of the plot. We've got characters all over the place that are real and we can communicate with and there's a point. Yeah. 
And I think that's that's not to say that yours didn't have a point. I think Mark's was open ended, so the point kind of got lost along the way after like the twentieth <laughs> dungeon. You kind of went through, and it's like, yeah, uh, it, it's neat to feel like you're actually doing something or going for. Uh, like as you travel to town to town, for example, and you actually feel like there is time passing, and you are kind of. I, I don't necessarily feel like an axe on my neck from these giants that are, that are terrorizing yeah. towns necessarily, but there's still fun they keep stuff. Keep showing up, yeah. And- causing a ruckus but we seem to be handling i when i was in Waterdeep, i i wanted to know just as a general overarching plot plot line what were the humans planning to do about the fact that three or six of their major cities have been r- raided sounds and destroyed. like Waterdeep didn't really care that much Waterdeep didn't seem to care yeah. that all these cities <clears throat> right next to them were being destroyed well, well it won't happen to us that's the, the main <laughs> i guess thing. that's not in the book yet so it was funny you're talking about Waterdeep uh, because today uh, during lunch I was kind of looking around and I kind of because FYI the Steam summer sale is on right now so there's a lot of neat things out there to pick up if you're interested but also GOG uh, games which I will shill relentlessly is the best alternative to Steam if you don't like supporting the the monopoly in the game because Steam is basically the digital distribution monopoly even though there are options but GOG is out there and they have a couple of games that uh, I was looking at and Isn't it all about origin. Or, or what? And then there's Uplay, and everyone has the ability, like in Star or Blizzard's Battle.net, which is ugh. Yeah. But anyway, uh, GOG specializes in older games that they've either um, that they've kind of reissued in a way that they'll work on modern computers, whether it's a special EXE or whether they bundle DOSBox and they perfectly set it up so that it runs a bat file or batch file and just runs yep. exactly how it should be. You don't have to fiddle around with it and think, Ooh, how many cycles it's supposed to be, and like what resolution, and what sort of sound settings, and just yeah. little things here and there. So, just, you know, the acronym GOG stands for Good Old Games. Good Old Games. And, and I remember uh, when it was a website back in the day oh, was before it? Yeah. it was a desktop app. Oh, and oh, no, I always go to the website. I don't use the uh, <laughs> application. Oh, I've got it. So it runs on startup on my computer. Oh, interesting. Uh, but yeah, it was it, it started like you said with all the old DOS games, and then it's kind of expanded, and now it actually hosts modern games. Exactly, and so you get there. There, there are options, and th- there is stuff on there that you can get on Steam, which is fine. And to be honest, a lot of this stuff is kind of like what it's it's a trade off. And do you want to download this game on your own, which is pretty easy to do if you feel like it, or do you want to have a universal source where you're throwing a couple of bucks at somebody if you buy it on sale? And you always have it available to you, assuming GOG doesn't disappear tomorrow. But another thing about GOG is that I think similar to, um, and I could be screwing this up, but I think similar to Humble Bundle, sometimes you buy this and you get a Steam key as well from them. So it's like you, it's tough to go wrong with this stuff. But the whole reason I bring this up, talking about Dungeons & Dragons, is because, are you familiar with the Eye of the Beholder series? Nope. Uh, back in the day of early PC gaming, um, there was a series of games called Eye of the Beholder, which were put out by, I think, Proto... It was early Westwood, which are famous for the Command & Conquer series. Oh, yeah. But they also did these uh, grid-based dungeon crawlers, and this one is set in the it's second edition D&D, <laughs> Advanced Dungeons & Dragons. And you basically have a party that you build similar to Grimrock, which is like inspired by all these types of games, Wizardry, um, Might Magic Heroes, uh, Dungeon Masters, go on. Baldur's Gate. Baldur's, yeah, sort of. And... Uh, 
you have this party of four adventurers and you go through and there are secret doors and there are puzzles. You're fighting monsters and you're leveling up. And it's very rudimentary, but it's there's something so cozy about this this style of gameplay, especially the old school graphics that they've got there. The only issue is there's no auto map and my patience for mapping stuff out is near zero. <laughs> I don't I do not want to sit there drawing with graph paper and doing uh, yeah, all that stuff. I remember my neighbor, he always had a pencil out and he was always drawing the map yep. as he played. And some people love it. Some people require it, which is why Grimrock and I think the newer one out there, um, oh, that the guy, we were talking about this a long time ago, the Australian madman that spent like <laughs> some absurd amount of time making this game. And everyone said it was never, Legends of Grimscribe, I think, in Grimscribe. And then it came out. But there are options in these games. You can turn off the auto map. Mm. And it, you can, then you have to draw it yourself. So hard, it's up to you. Hard mode. I don't care. Do it for me. I don't want to. <laughs> especially in the, these older ones like it's just pure maze and it's not 3d so it's easy to get lost because when you're moving around the the textures are basically just changing ever so slightly around you know one part in legend of grimrock where you just need to change direction like you just need to turn around because it's like a magic maze uh. and if you keep going too far all of a sudden the maze changes and you're going the wrong way i, I sort of remember that it, it sounds familiar it's just like a dumb little uh it's a puzzle for sure, yeah. but it's just kind of like there's no marker, there's no indication, and there's no note. It's just that once you take a certain step, all of a sudden uh, you're back on the map. So there's, there's no like glowing uh, mist or something mm-hmm. that usually accompanies teleporters? Or? Nothing. Interesting. I don't remember this very well at all, obviously. Yeah. And, but generally speaking, Grimrock is pretty fair about that sort of stuff, yeah. so that one... Sounds kind of mean. And every now and then there's a couple puzzles <laughs> in that where you're just going, oh, this is stupid. Yeah. Why did you waste my time? But you should look it up. Grimrock as well. We've talked about it a couple times on the show. So on that note, we're going to take a musical break. We'll be back in a minute. Stay tuned. Tunes.
Welcome back to CFRU 933FM. What you just heard was... Anarchy in the UK. Anarchy in the UK by the Sex Pistols from, I don't know, I'm going to say God Save the Queen. It's <laughs> the yeah. only album I can think of. 1977. Was that when it came out? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a pretty recent hit. Yeah. Joel, why did we play that song? Anarchy in the UK because uh, two days ago, Tuesday, when England won the penalty kick against, or won in penalty kicks against Colombia, they went insane and they trashed London. <laughs> I'm just going to call <laughs> they, it They now. burned the place down. <laughs> it wasn't even the finals. They just <laughs> decided yeah. to preemptively. They just decided to do that after <clears throat> every game now. I was never a big Sex Pistols fan. The... Uh, I guess, like, I don't mind their music, but it would be never see something I'm like, oh, man, I, I could really use some, some sex Well, it's kind of right like now. one of those things like ACDC where all their songs kind of meld together and you can't be like, I know that song. Yeah. It's kind of like, oh, yeah, well, that's definitely the Sex Pistols, but, you know, on and on they go kind of thing. The, uh, I'm trying, the, their version of My Way, I remember listening to it in the car with Dad. And uh, it starts off very silly, and I, Johnny Rotten, I imagine, is uh, singing in this weird voice, like, the I'm out of you. <laughs> and I remember Dad saying, this stinks. <laughs> <laughs> and then it kicks into the, uh, the the regular, like a really rocking rendition of My Way, which is actually used, I think, at the end of Goodfellas. Oh, um, yeah. Really effectively after, like, Henry Hill. Like he's doing his his really oh man Goodfellas is so good, but after he's like uh, gets up off he, like they zoom in on him and he's talking about now because he's witness protection he's like uh, the best pasta I can hit they call they egg noodles with ketchup on it <laughs> and it's just him going outside in his bathrobe to grab the newspaper like any other sh- schmo and then it, uh, this neat little homage to one of the, the I think the great train robbery with uh, Joe Pesci shooting at the screen and dressed like a gangster and then it cuts to the work like the the musical part of the Sex Pistols version of My Way okay fun fell off there a little bit you gotta get the Sex Pistols in there somewhere Jack we never asked what you've been playing lately this weekend, unfortunately, I didn't have any time to play anything. I brought four games with me to uh, wherever I went. So I was at my buddy's uh, cottage, cabin, and um, the the one I had hoped for was Azul, but it was just so hot out, and everyone just wanted to float in the lake. And by the end, like when things had like calmed down a little bit, rat- nobody wanted to spend time thinking about that. And everyone just wanted to just not think not do cottage season so hot right now literally literally hot hot right right now now. (laughs) people were melting so i heard you didn't have any ac no fans no air circulation no it was awful you're dying so it was very hot i i I like to pride myself as like kind of going to like this weird sort of like um extreme temperature mode where it's just you have to enter zen and you just cannot (laughs) just cannot Um, let it get you even though it's brutal and hydrate obviously and stay hydrated so much liquid so it's uh, but you got some magic squeezed in there, right? Yeah. So my buddy, he's he's pretty in the magic, and he I think he stopped collecting as as heavily. Um, but he brought up his he brought up he had three decks constructed, and he brought in a box of cards, and I was, and this was kind of like later in the evening because it's easy to lose track of time, especially with the sun like not setting to like <laughs> nine o'clock or something. Real so, low. So then by the time you realize what you're doing, it's like, oh, damn, it's like 10.30, 11 o'clock. But anyway, we were going to draft, but his cards were t- hopelessly disorganized in the sense that you could scoop them all up. And this drives me crazy, but some of them are f- horizontal, some of them are vertical, Ooh. some of them are flipped backwards, some of them are flipped forward. They're all, it's almost like you get boosters, 
open them, throw them into a box. So you're saying he, he didn't have a cube tutor tube? He, he did uh, not cube built. He did not have a cube built. So ninety seven percent accuracy. I think I started with I started organizing cards just by like their color, and I got through maybe if I said an eighth of the box before just saying my my back is killing me. This stinks. It's hot. There are bugs flying all around me because we were using candles outside. And, oh yeah. And just so we ended up just playing, and I was telling Joel about this earlier, that he had a deck that, or I was using a deck that was white and blue, and it's um, it really revolved around putting a plus one, plus one tokens on things, mm-hmm. and you could, uh, they had these guys, I forget the uh, the high, they're basically eagle soldiers or something that, they were decent to begin with, like they're four fives with flying, and they get plus one, plus one, or they're three fours. But they get plus one, plus one for every other creature that has a token on them, or, or the plus one, plus one token. And their ability is you can spend four mana to put a token on something else. So you can end up quickly putting stuff on other yep. things, and now your army is getting just fatter and fatter. There are other guys, like a lot of these, um, he had the angels that benefit from, like, get plus one, plus one for every other creature that's flying as well. Uh, yeah. And you just end up with everything just synergized nice. And I was really impressed with it, because sometimes when you... Pick up somebody else's constructed deck. You look and you go, mm, I don't know, but this so one it had a definite theme. Did it have some cancel in it? Um, there was. He had a cancel. I don't know if it was counterspell, but I think it was the three mana uh, cancel or whatever mm. it is. Not the broken one from the super old one. I think he's got oh, those. They never cast again. Or <laughs> yeah, the the really nasty stuff. And his was, and this was the frustrating part. And this is bringing me back to what we were talking about magic before. Was that he was mana screwed for both games we played. Mm. And by the time he got the extra bits of mana, I'd already built my army up, and it was just... This, there was no turning back. And it's not fun. I'm not having a good time. I'm just sitting there, and he's just looking frustrated and drawing cards, looking for stuff. I'm just waiting for the game to start, and instead I'm just like slowly pinging away, and he's just wasting his nukes on well, maybe, maybe small guys. maybe he's trying to sneak in too many cards, and he needs to just throw in more mana, right? Well, that's what I was thinking. Sometimes it's not luck. Sometimes it's a poorly constructed deck. Apparently he's got enough. Like he said, he put in, I think he was using 60 cards and he had 20 mana in there oh, as well. Okay, but 60 cards. 60 and then reduces it. Spreading it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's and it's trickier too when you don't have the ability to draw into Are mana. You're supposed to have 17 in a 40 card deck though, so 20 and a 60 doesn't seem like enough. Either way, <laughs> I got the mana I wanted. Yeah. He didn't get his and he just didn't have as good a time, but I think also when you combine the fact that it was extraordinarily hot outside and everyone's just kind of tired and slightly uh, cooling off after dinner and uh, sitting around floating in a lake and drinking all day that yeah. it's like, oh, man, I don't know magic was the right choice. Yeah, I don't know. Hey, so I don't know what you, uh, just now that we've kind of been dancing around magic a little bit, uh-huh. I want to know what you think of colors because in my head, I definitely have a hierarchy. I think... For preferences, just for me, and I'm not saying these are better, mm-hmm. but I'm going to say, I'm going to say blue, white, green, <laughs> red, black. Interesting. So I'd almost go the exact opposite, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> the thing about black, black is, uh, I respect it. I know it's really <laughs> good, but it's just far too complicated and conditional. I think the black cards, with all the life sacrifice and life draining uh. and, sac- and bringing things from the graveyard and trying to get big things in your graveyard and then pull them out with a special card, yeah. it's just too many things have to sync up, and I just don't like that mess. I like white because it's really simple and clean, and it's all about just and soldiers on the ground mm-hmm. and I love blue because of all the counters see for me blue is that exactly what you described except for black uh, because I find with blue there's so many conditions that seem like especially when people are running control decks with uh, and I find they can get a little complicated with sort of 
the there was the big card I think um, in the return in Innistrad, which is like the, I forget the name of it. But I, I just read this text, and, it, and my eyes are starting to go cross-eyed because I'm thinking, like, <laughs> this is so bloody complicated. Where's this the, yeah. like, get card, kill, oh, boy. And it, well, for me, that's why I don't, like, I've, I've been crushed by blue a million times. I like so these, I, like, choose one, and then it's, like, four options. <laughs> oh, no. And green is, like, I find green's getting complicated now with, like, yep. all these synergies and, like, creating tokens of things, and you're trying to, like... Well, you want to have these amount of tokens out there to sacrifice for this purpose here. And red is usually pretty simple, but it can get complicated with, like, when you're dealing, like, dragons typically are kind of up in the the ante and goblins are up in the ante as opposed to just, like, typical sort of land destruction, just nuking stuff, just straight up fire and uh, blowing you out of the sky type deals. Well, I I like green because I like big monsters. I like... uh, Trample. I love trample, and I love great. buffing monsters yeah. as an instant because you assign your attackers, they assign their defenders, and then you're just like, by the way, that's yeah, that wins. Yeah, that wins. <laughs> it's, it's got trample, so you're taking a bunch of damage too. Yeah. In response, um, yeah, there was one game I, I lost two one, and like the guy just uh, he he let the damage through, and I was like, well, why didn't you block? Oh, because I have. Uh, these two flying units, and I have these two cards that are going to buff them up to um, just enough exactly to... fatal. And it's yeah. Like, oh, okay. Sure. <laughs> and that's it. Like again, the more I play Magic, the more it just it turns into this thing that it's like sometimes it's fun, but most of the time it's not. <laughs> most of the time it's just like I don't want to say routine, but it, it turns into just kind of like going through the motions a little bit here. Is it mean, Jack? Is it take that? I'm glad you uh, asked that, Joel, because we're going to branch into what we want to talk about today. Um, magic is very mean. I think it is it is pure take that. I don't know how you get more take that than magic, at least in, in the sense of it's just 1v1. You're just going after that person. You're directly hurting them. Yep. You're directly destroying their things. Is that what you think when you think of Ameritrash? You're thinking there's a lot of take that there's a lot of direct attacks so I, I don't know if we've talked about Ameritrash before I think it's been a while so why don't you if you don't mind just say define what you would call Ameritrash one more time uh, I guess Ameritrash is probably produced in the west and a game that uh, directly attacks other people things like um, let's say Risk yep. where you're uh, I am this nation and I want to attack you and also the ability to select the target of the attack, mm-hmm. I think, is a very Ameritrash thing. Because when you think of Euro, you think uh, there might be attacks. Uh, obviously, the the stereotype of Euro game is multiplayer solitaire, where mm-hmm. everybody's doing their own thing and just collecting points. Uh, but there are sometimes attacks, but they are indirect. Or maybe you're indirectly inconveniencing someone in a worker mm-hmm. placement by taking their spot. Whereas in Ameritrash... aggressive. <laughs> or Ameritrash, you're playing a card and you're saying... I select yeah. Jack to lose three ro- resources and I gain three. Yeah. Something like so that. So that's a good way to put it. It's direct mean conflict. That's the best way to put it because the um, the Europeans got away from these designs a while ago, even though you'll still find them appearing semi-frequently or semi, uh, depending on what sort of company is putting it out and what sort of game it is. But in general, you're not going to come across this. So if you pick up and you're the latest Uve game, you're not going to be sitting there raiding other people's boards and taking things from them, which would be kind of an interesting <laughs> expansion of Peace for Odin, just the, <laughs> the I'm going to kill you version. But. Yeah, instead of raiding... Uh because you can go to Greenland and everything like that. Wouldn't it be cool if you could go to other people's boards and take <laughs> just the take things their off things? Of them? That'd be 
Well, I'm trying to think if there's any game like that, but even like something as semi ameritrashy as Champions of Midgard doesn't let you like directly harm other players. You can never take stuff that they've got, right? Well, I guess I suppose there's that one where it's really simple. You know that cute little one with the rocks in the middle, and you point at the rocks to get the rocks, but you oh. can also point at someone else's rocks to take all of theirs. But you can that's also, a mean game. You sure, you can also point at yourself to protect. Yeah, yeah. So Joel's describing a game. I can't remember the name of it, but it's basically you're all about you're you're a bunch of fairies. I think. I think immorals, but I know it's not because that's you've got a big mushroom, but. Yeah. Uh, and you're trying to grab gems, and the main thing is you're, it's, uh, it kind of blends nicely into the second stuff you're going to talk about, the push your luck, yep. um, which is as a genre defined by you can pushing your luck, which most people understand on the surface is like a saying, is just going further, and then you're, you're risking losing everything or risking some great punishment for continuing on this course of path. And in games, typically push your luck refers to a mechanic where – You've got the safe, like this is the safe zone right here. You've, you, it's easy to acquire a little, a few resources or points right here. Maybe you can go a little bit further. Why, why not just take a couple You've more? You've come this far. You've come this far. Why not just take a bit? No, you you lose everything because you decide yeah. to go. It's like usually to the luck of the draw or maybe someone's sharpening a knife and waiting for you to get too far. I think maybe the original push your luck would have to be past the pigs. I've that? never played past the pigs. So past the pigs, you've got two pigs. You throw the pigs. <laughs> um, if they fall in a certain way, like say it falls once doing a nose stand, you get like 20 points. Okay. If they're both lying on their side and they both have, uh, so there's a dot on one side and a dot on the other, yeah. or no dot on the other, and they both have dots, you get a point. So that's the lowest you could possibly do. If they're, you know, if they're both standing, you get 10 points. So there's right. all these things. But it's a push your luck because you can roll... As far as you want. But if they ever roll so that there's a dot on one side and no dot on the other, you lose everything. Mm -hmm. So it's just you keep rolling and maybe you accumulate like seven, nine points and you say, okay. Call it a day. Call it a day. If you don't call it a day, you can lose everything. But who knows? You could win big, Jack. You could win real big. I'd want to put Las Vegas in there, but it's not. It's you roll Mm. dice, but there's no luck pushing beyond the fact of maybe – you just leave one dice there. You're limited. To <laughs> you're limited because you can't just keep re-rolling. You can't. Yeah. So I don't think Vegas would fall in there. So autom- I guess from the point of bringing it up is that just because the game has dice too doesn't mean it's necessarily push your luck or mean. Even though I'd say Vegas is extremely mean game at times. If you can see somebody has been building a casino up a little bit, and you. Uh, maybe just suddenly get a nice Snipe. solid roll of dice and or you challenge deliberately them. challenge them or you tie them as part of a last roll or something just out of spite. They're, it can be mean, but I think the as far as push your luck goes, the, the ones I was thinking of that came to the top of my head was something like archaeology. Um, mm. Kind of not as not as heavy in the push your luck, but the, the premise of the game is you're all archaeologists in uh, some dusty place, sandy place, and you have to create sets of cards in your hands. But there are two things you're worrying about. The first most pressing one is that there are sandstorms mixed into the deck, and when these come up, uh, everyone loses half of your your cards rounded down, hmm. and it goes to the center. And there's also these thieve cards that come up, so somebody can theoretically take them from you too. So you want to balance whether you're going to hold on to these cards and cash in for mega points or uh, hold on to them and risk losing all of them or a good chunk of them to a sandstorm or somebody else thieving your valuable pharaoh's mask that's mm, worth tons of points. Yeah. So there's elements of that in there. Uh, another one is, uh, I can only think of the French name for it, Tiamant. Um, but it's a 
Alan R. Moon, I think he's the one, he's the ticket the ride man, but this is a game where you basically all play adventures going to this temple. And it's a push your luck in the most basic sense of that you go through and you find gems and you decide how much deeper you want to go through and you've got certain supplies. So you can use your torch to scare away a bat, but now if a bat comes again, you're screwed and you can try to avoid these spikes with like you can like I think you have shoes or something that can handle like stepping on the spikes and after that you're in trouble so you want to try to figure out but the first person to decide to come back so everyone's doing this at the same time but the second somebody has to run back similar to Clank all of a sudden uh oh now everyone's got to start hustling back so it turns into this race to try to get back before I was going to mention Clank because Clank is a good example of a game that's taken push for luck mm-hmm. or push your luck and it's not it's not a pure push your luck no, like no. i have firefly shiny dice where oh, basically yeah. you just fight enemies and then you can decide if you want to fight them again with your remaining dice until you run out of dice mm-hmm. and you can lose all your money similar to pass the pigs but in clank mm-hmm. they've got push your luck which is the deeper you go into the dungeon the more points you're going to get um, and then you, hopefully you get out with it, and then you'll win versus someone who, who just rushes in and rushes out, right? On the other hand, it's also a deck builder. So it's also, you know, you've got elements of both. So you don't have to just rush for the 30 treasure or, mm-hmm. or rush down, grab the quickest thing, and get out. You can also do alternate things like uh, collecting high point uh, cards similar to Dominion, that kind of thing. Yeah, so you've got some options there, but at the same time, there's this risk-reward benefit or ch- aspect to it that's not necessarily pure and like just straight-up failure, but in the sense that um, I'm pretty sure the risk-reward like affects everyone else as well in Clank, right? So yeah. th- when you keep going, then you can wake the dragon and he just screws up everyone else's day as well. Yeah. Or when every, you start the hall. Every time you take an artifact, I think he gets anger. Uh, another <clears> good push-your-luck uh, element is Dark Moon. You think about it. You've got four. You've got four dice to start, or five, sometimes five, and you're rolling them all. That's a low chance roll. Uh, push your luck is very dice uh, focused so far. Mm. Um, but let's say, for example, you really want to do that miracle save, and you're short by one, mm-hmm. and you've only got two dice left or one dice left. The chances of you rolling positive very low. But sometimes you gotta just push your luck, see what you can get. Is that where you exhaust yourself, or uh, no? But the the less dice you have, the less useful you are mm-hmm. right, to the team. Unless, of course, you're infected. In yeah, which yeah. case, you're pushing your luck deliberately to to throw to throw the match. Kind mm-hmm. of thinking, oh, I got another negative. Oh, <laughs> I'm so sorry, guys. Zombie dice is the I think the most basic push your luck. I think we yeah. own that's just again dice based, and you roll them, brains come up. Uh, you put them aside, and I think if any guns show up, you lose on the mm. dice, or if there's so a certain you are amount. The zombies. Yeah, you're the zombies, so you're trying to get the Getting brains. the brains. And then you can bank, you bank them, and they, you just like keep the points in your head, and you just keep going. Super dumb, super easy. You can turn into something uh, more yeah. fun than it is. Like if you want to. Maybe a Sailor Moon version. <laughs> you could <laughs> you could mor- metamorph it into anything. Uh, metamorph. Hmm. So we have the push your luck stuff. As far as mean game goes, mean games, Joel, what do you think is the meanest game? Because it's hot outside, and mm. when it's hot out, people's patience are at, are at low. Uh, as you can see in Toronto, people are shooting each other because there's just there's just so much heat. It's the only thing you can do. Yeah, you're so frustrated. You just got to shoot yeah. someone. What, what do you think your personal, or at least the... It doesn't have to be a good game I think it's Munchkin. 
Munchkin. <laughs> yeah, because Munchkin is one of those ones where everybody can. You have the option to help each other work your way up. Yeah, and everybody maybe once you hit, there's always a threshold, maybe seven, because you got to get to ten to win the game. Mm-hmm. And once everybody hits seven, all of a sudden it's just the meanest game ever. Everybody can have, has been saving their nasty attack cards. Yeah, and hey, look, there's all of a sudden there's another monster in the thing, or hey, oh sorry, you lost your weapon. Or, yeah. And so it's just it's just pure take that really once you get to the higher mm-hmm. levels of it's a terrible game. No, it's not a good game. <laughs> but it as far as like meanness goes, sure, that's pretty that's gotta be up there as one of the Yeah. Again, it kinda crosses the are mean games necessarily like good? Are there good mean games out there? I think Probably. Because it's the first one that comes to mind. If you if you put a gun to my head and said it's hot outside, Jack, I have to shoot someone. What's the mean game you're going to pick? And I said it would be Risk. I think. Oh yeah. I I cannot think of a game that's probably inspired more fights, whether friendly fights or you've slighted me in a deeply personal and unforgivable <laughs> way than than Risk. Whether it's Risk Legacy or Vanilla Risk or any of the variants. Because there's the, there's kind of mean in that like uh, this is the intention of the game, and then there's mean like <laughs> right like say say you're all working independently towards a goal, mm-hmm. but there's other cards out there. Like say for example in Unfair, mm-hmm. where all of a sudden you've got these event cards, you've got these green cards, and you're just using the bottom actions. You know, yeah. you're just trying to screw people. And that's a, I'm glad you brought up unfair because it, it is mean, but it's meanness at a cost, and that's what I think yeah. is is fun about it because you've got these cards that the top part's good for you and the bottom part's negative, so you're you're depriving yourself something positive to do something negative to somebody else, and it, it often is not worth it in my opinion because it just reminds the other person that they can, they are now going to be using their bottom cards on you, especially if the attack fails because they saved or they have the ability to block it. And now they're looking at you. Uh. <laughs> like maybe if it's two player and it's just you against them, but yeah. if you are using your events that you've gained to hurt somebody else, uh, there's two other people or one other person that's just sidling along. Exactly. You know? So I think outside of a two player, it's very poor use of your resources, unless it's something that, now, again, some of them, I think, are um, maybe in conjunction because as you enter the second phase of the game, the the red decks, your, the event decks come up and they can be off and gener- they're mean to everyone. So it's like shut down all these rides. And then maybe I look at Joel and he's got one ride left. And so, oh, gee, that's a shame. <laughs> it's cause yeah. And there's a lot of elements of becoming personal, too. Somebody yeah. stabs you, you're going to stab them back. And it makes Getting me think about uh, knights and robbers in Catan, right? Like oh. You play a knight on somebody, so they play the Infamous. robber on you, and then you play another knight on them. And it just is, it, it never ends. You're going to get, you're going to lose, right? Because somebody else is going to be trading, and they're going to be avoiding these blocks. And, and it, it also, going, I think I've talked about it before, but my one friend, it, he, I think he's been burned on board games entirely because... He used to always play with my other friend, and it always turned into like a grudge <laughs> like a match, fight, like yeah. it's a slap fight, but also like, oh, who, who, it's not, it's not. And you carry it over into another. Yeah, game. It, yeah. It, it follows you, and it's not if he's going to backstab you is when. Yeah. And it Patrick. always. Well, Patrick does that, but at least you know, like right away, it's like he's okay, open about it. that's his mo. But at times, it can just be like, oh, man, it like what are you accomplishing? This is just is, it is not gaining you anything. What's the worst is when it happens in Megasith because that's a 12 hour game. Yeah. <laughs> just like, no, please. And Twilight Imperium. Twilight Imperium. Good example. Like Megasith, at least there's. You, 